The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome, I'm your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips, and on this show, we'll be turning up the psychological perspective on many life issues. To do this, I want to include you in the conversation. This is Psych Up Live. I welcome you to listen in and call in with comments and questions at 1-866-472-5788. You know, most of us are aware that the, the emphasis in the corporate world is to have a winning brand. Theme parks, TV stations, colleges, even medical facilities have a brand aimed at positively distinguishing themselves from others. What's your self-brand? Are you the peacemaker in the family? Are you the IT wizard in the office? How do you see yourself in terms of branding when it comes to a promotion, a job interview? Can you reinvent yourself in terms of a brand for retirement? Today, our guest, Dr. Joel Evans, will clarify the why, how, and importance of self-branding for personal and professional success. Dr. Evans is a distinguished professor in the Zarb School of Business at Hofstra University in New York. He has spoken and written on self-branding across many media platforms. He is the co-author of the book Marketing and the co-author of the book Retail Management, A Strategic Approach, That book has had 13 editions and is available in English, Chinese, and Russian. He writes the blog Evans on Marketing as well as the blog Retailing from A to Z, which has over 100,000 viewers. Dr. Evans has been interviewed for newspapers, magazines, social media, TV, and radio. He's been the recipient of many prestigious awards in the business and marketing field. Dr. Joel Evans, it's my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay. So, Dr. Evans, when it comes to self-branding, what, what actually does it mean? I want to make sure our listeners know just what we mean. Uh, well, first of all, it differs by our role, whether we're in a work environment or whether we're in a family environment. We have different relationships and different roles, and we have different self-brands for each. But in essence, self-branding refers to how we perceive ourselves in those different roles and how we want to be perceived by others. And the closer the match is between how we see ourselves and how others see us, uh, the more successful and happy that we're going to uh, turn out to be. 
Mm, okay, so if I want to think about, and I almost don't know where to start, what my self brand might be if I'm a new, uh, I'm a new, I'm a liberal arts major. I'm new to the field. I'm looking for a job. I have pretty good writing skills. I'm pretty creative. I've had one year working in my dad's plumbing company. I, I don't even know how to brand myself. What are the kind of questions I should ask? Uh, well, first of all, I would say that LinkedIn is a phenomenal resource because in their jobs, if you go into their job section, not necessarily you look for a job, but if you scan, if you type in the words that you're thinking of, it will show you companies. And one of the best ways that you could self-brand yourself is by looking at the job description that the company wants and seeing how close you are to that and what you need to do to be able to fit into that job description. Um, but if I but if I were asking somebody uh, questions about self branding, I, I I have a whole string of them that relate to the way we see ourselves as well as the way others see us. So if someone was to ask you to describe yourself in in, in any one of your roles, coworker, family member, uh, a friend, uh, in twenty five words or less, what would you say about yourself? This is how you view yourself brand in different roles. Mm. And, and usually we see ourselves differently in those roles. And a good question would be, are we happy in all of those roles? Right. Because sometimes we could be the world's most successful business person and be miserable in our home life. So that's why I think, you know, our perception of ourselves and how we want to interact with other people cuts across all different types of uh, roles. So um, uh, I would also then say if someone was to ask your coworkers or a member of your family or one of your friends to describe you in 25 words or less in one of those roles, uh, what would they say about you? Because that's the, you know, the public perception of uh, your self-brand. And how close do you think that you would be between the way that you see yourself in each role and the way that other people perceive you? And there is oftentimes a huge disconnect. Mm. We all see the world differently. You know, a young woman um, went to get some career advice from someone. And uh, she, you know, she went and she asked. And she asked, the woman said, do you want to know how I perceived you walking into this office. And this person, who happens to be a performer, actually, um, said yes. So she said, you do not come in as if you're confident. You come in cautious. You come in um, not as if you have that so much self-esteem. And the person, the young woman, was really kind of surprised. Now, when she self-reflected, she can get anxious. She can get anxious, but she didn't realize that in places other than when she's performing, she was coming across quite differently. Um, I have the perception, my students often have the perception that I'm frowning or unhappy about something. And that is just, for as hard as I try, just my expression when I'm thinking and listening to them. And my response would always be, don't take my facial expression, you know, for how I feel. It just means I'm intently listening to you. But mm. that over the years never seemed to work that great. 
<laughs> so the last few years, what I've, what I've done is the first day of class, and I'll repeat it during the semester, is I'll draw a smiley face on the board, and then I will draw, draw a frowny face on the board. And I said, I'm the one on the left. Don't perceive <laughs> me as the one on the right. And they laughed, and I, I, I think that that's had more of an impact. Plus, I have some, some sketch things that I do where I was at, would actually dress up as the anti-professor, you know, with shorts and uh, backwards hat and all of that, and get them to, des- to describe how they would perceive, excuse me, perceive that person and then versus how I would normally be. So I think that the, the purpose for me of, of, of that skit is about stereotypes. And unfortunately, what happens is that when someone uh, looks at our resume and they, they, they see we graduated in 2013, that's a perception. We walk in the door and they see, they look at us, that's a perception. And I actually said to my class, what do you think the biggest stereotype is about all of you together in the room? And they figured out what it was, which is age. And I said, well, what does my genera- What do you think my generation sees in your generation? Uh, lazy, not motivated, uh, you know, always texting. And I, I said, yeah. So what we have to do is we have to try to overcome that first gut feeling. Hmm. Now, if I'm listening, I'm thinking, gee, I'm anxious because, well, first of all, one thing I just heard is I should ask, I should ask people who know me. I should ask people who went to school with me. I should ask family members. How do you think I come across? And if it's discrepant from the way I thought I was coming across, then I somehow, just as you had to do, I have to come up with a way, let's say in the case of the young woman, or even if it were you were the person, how do you go to an interview, uh, Dr. Evans, and not look like you're frowning? How do you, in other words, it's really good self-reflection as well as using other people's feedback if we see there's a gap, but then we have to somehow address it. Um, absolutely. And I think that we have to, one of, I, in, in my experience, we're working with people on probably thousands of resumes at this point. I think self-confidence absolutely comes through when people go to interviews and they don't have a lot of experience. Um, I think that people don't necessarily know the right things to put um, on their resume. And um, they really think we haven't defined ourselves. And, and you know, part of what you said uh, uh, about talking to other people and getting their feedback is most of us are really fearful of doing that. No one wants to have somebody say, well, you know, you come across obnoxious sometimes or you, uh, you know, you're so opinionated. Nobody else can ever get a word in. No one wants to hear negative feedback. So that's, that's why this, this whole thing of self-assessment is so hard. And that's why I have this self-assessment quiz where it's really a bunch of straightforward questions where you can first get yourself to think about them, and then ask people so, so you can, you know, uh, see how they feel relative to the way you're seeing yourself. And the very second question in my little quiz, after my greatest strengths, is what are my greatest weaknesses? Because we tend not to dwell on them enough. Mm. So now, let me just tell... Who, 
Let me just tell our listeners, this assessment yeah. test is right on my host page. Uh, it's easily, it's easily um, obtained. It's a really good review. As you hear Dr. Evans talk about it, it just starts you thinking a certain way. And he's going to have a lot to say about it. If I could just say the URL really quickly. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. Mm -hmm. Just type in. Uh, if you you could actually do it while you're listening, as long as you open up a different browser window. If you if you do it into this the browser window you're listening with, you, you will no longer be talking right. listening to us. So it's just g o o g o o dot g l dot g l forward slash capital F, then lowercase w d y a nine. And a lowercase r. That's the whole URL. Right. And just for, for those who are listening and don't, can't do that, just to give you a sense, the four, first four questions are things like this. What are my greatest strengths? What are my greatest weaknesses? What types of activities do I like doing the most? What types of activities do I least like doing? So it really stops you for a moment. It's a little bit like mindfulness. It stops you and really invites you to take stock. And you're going to see, as, as we continue to talk, the answers are going to start to help you think about, well, then this, this lends itself to a certain amount of branding. And before we go to that, I just want to say, I want to see what you think about this, you know, Dr. Evans. When someone has said to you, you know, you don't let anyone else speak or you don't walk into a room confident, what we know psychologically is just raising someone's consciousness about that. Thinking about, I'm going to walk in different, I'm going to be aware of how I sit in the body language, or I'm going to really think twice if it's a group interview about giving other people a chance to speak. So the feedback, you don't need a miracle to use it. Often just raising consciousness can help us. Go ahead, Dr. Oh, there's, no, there's no question because you cannot get somebody else to see the brand that you want to be unless you first see it. And you can right. articulate it. So if you go through this series, which is 20 questions or as many of them as you want, and, you know, you write down a few words on each one and you think about them, I, and you come up with your overall person as to how you want to describe yourself, that makes you much more confident. Because then you've articulated to yourself what your strengths are. What are the things that, that you want to be doing? What are the things that you're capable of doing? What do you have special skills in? So if you can go into an interview or life with that mental set about yourself, then you're, you, you're going to come across as much more confident. But not only that, you're going to be much more confident. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's such a good point. And one of the things that this assessment test, for instance, think about it. How many of us, when we first interviewed, or if we ever even went to to change jobs, have in the back of our mind, do I want to work in a large or small company? Would I relocate? You know, would I, what, 10 years from now, do I want to be in this particular field? Generally, we're so busy trying to get the job, we often don't really think about the questions in this assessment. I think that's what makes it so valuable. Okay, now, I agree. obviously I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, in some ways... You said people in your class spoke about age as a, as a stereotype, and many young people do look younger than they even are. So how do we offset that with something? We're going to talk about uh, resumes in the next section, 
But how do you how do you offset something like age as a stereotype, much less um, gender, race, etc.? How do we offset the stereotypes? All of them come into effect. Every one of the things you just mentioned, gender, race, uh, age, and um, I think that the, the, the way to try to minimize it, because let's face it, there are going to be some people that are just going to see us without us opening our mouths no matter what, make an assumption, and that's it. But for the ones who really are serious, it's going to be the way we introduce ourselves and the way that we handled the questions that they asked, and that we realized, uh, as most people don't, that during an interview, you're actually allowed to ask questions, too. You know, right. the, the, the successful employer and employee, although we're, we're both in a win-win. So, so many people are afraid of, you know, asking questions. And I think it's also really important that if, you, if you're going to an employer, that one way that you show them that, you know, you're mature and you, you understand the job process is that you've done serious research on the company. So that, if the, so that if the person was to say to you, why would you like to work for blank? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I saw they had a lot of job openings or I've heard, heard good things. No. What does the company do? What are they known for? We want to show that this job was important enough to us that we actually did research on it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What a great point. And I love the idea about being assertive enough to ask a question. You know, if, they're, if they are a marketing company marketing cell phones and you're asking, you know, who are your competitors, or even if you're asking, well, you know, how many branches, where else in the country, whatever it happens to be, I'm sure you even know better than I. I love that idea about being inquisitive and curious. It always is a very good uh, trait to show. Absolutely. We want to, we, we need to show our skill set, obviously. We need to show our self-brand, obviously. But we also need to show interest. And you know what? That actually applies across every one of our roles. You know, right. our family members want to know that we're interested in them. Our friends want to know that we're interested in them. Not that just I say, well, I got back from vacation, and then I go on for a half hour and talk about it <laughs> while they're listening to me and, and, you know, having no chance to talk on their own. It's so it's got to be a two-way relationship for all, every role. We're going to stop on that point, which is a great one, and take a brief break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live, and we're speaking with marketing and branding expert Dr. Joel Evans. In our next set, we're going to be talking about, okay, how do we go from self-branding to actually writing that resume or really thinking about putting it together? We'll be right back. Stay with us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. 
Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're talking to Dr. Joel Evans, and we've been talking about self-branding, um, reinventing yourself. Actually, really, we're talking about self-reflection over a lifespan to be able to really sell yourself. You have to know yourself. And in this section, we're going to talk about translating self-brand into a resume. Now, Dr. Evans, I know we've spoke a little bit about this and two things that struck me that you said. One is that in many companies or in many cases, my resume might first go through a computer scanning, and if there are not certain words, I may my resume may never end up in the hands of a human being. And so I'm thinking, wow, I don't even know what words those are. And so that's one question. And the other is, I know one thing you said, which I want people to hear, and I know you're going to go down another list, but the idea of making many drafts of a resume and knowing, being smart enough to send a resume tailored to certain people. But let's start out with, and then I know we're going to talk about articulating the brand on the resume, but how do I deal with that computer scanning? I mean, what should I do about that? Okay, we, we, we do have to face reality. So if it's a larger firm, they could be getting resumes by the thousand, not even the hundreds. Imagine if you're if you're applying for a job at, at Google, which is rated the number one employer to work for because of all its benefits and things like that, they're going to get thousands of resumes. So the biggest challenge isn't, isn't uh, how you do in the interview, it's how you get to the interview. Right. So I think what you, it's important to realize <clears throat> that this is not 1976, this is 2016. <laughs> we all work with word processing software. And it, it, and it is not okay to have a resume that's one size fits all. We need to look at the job description, pick out, you know, a half a dozen to a dozen of the buzzwords, 
work them into our self-brand statement, but also work them into the experience that we've had. So it could be a course title. It could be something we did at work. But if we want to pass by the computer, our resume has got to be geared towards what the job description and what the job qualifications are. That's why I mentioned briefly before, if you're at, at LinkedIn, uh, to me, the, the, they, yes, they list a, a ton of jobs. But if you go into the jobs uh, uh, button tab and you type in a, a, a type of job that you want and then just start clicking on them and see what the job descriptions are and mm-hmm. the qualifications are and write down what you think are buzzwords that you could then apply to you. Mm-hmm. But you mm-hmm. must tailor yourself to the individual company. It, so, it, it will not work if, so you, what would, if you try to send the same resume to 50 places. So what's an example of a buzzword, for instance, that would apply to you? Uh, your marketing, you're someone who, let's say, had, have had, you know, you're a marketing graduate. That's what you're coming out. So... For instance, what and you're you're looking at some of the big companies, the social media companies. Um, I would uh, I would say um, capabilities in web design and data analytics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and if because that's something, data analytics is one of the fastest growing fields there are, and by saying using the word design in there. I'm reflecting the fact that I'm I'm not just surfing on the web. I actually have expertise in it. So what so I, I just would, heard. I would make sure. And those are going to be buzzwords because they're going to want yes. somebody who's got social media experience. They really do want people who have data analytics experience. That is one of the fastest growing fields. Um, and again, it depends upon the job. You know, some jobs are more quantitative oriented. So you may want to you know, mention some of the things that you've done in terms of an analysis. So let's say you've, you've been a student um, and you've taken some statistics classes. You may want to say, uh, you know, knowledgeable in uh, regression analysis or whatever if you're applying for a business analyst job. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. They're, they're a buzz, there's not a person around that can't come up with a bunch of buzzwords. When I first start looking at people's mm-hmm. resumes and um, cover, letter, uh, cover letter and uh, the LinkedIn page, um, I, I really have to, <laughs> have to take a step back so that I, I don't kill the person who's asked me for advice because they are usually so far off, off target in terms of not having a clear statement at the top, including having everything they ever did going back to a cashier in high school, and then compounding it by having as much information about being a cashier as being an intern at a leading advertising agency. Mm-hmm. So there, there are a lot of things that, 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 are, that should be basic that people just don't do. And there's got to be a recognition now also um, that, that employees are looking at, at two web pages to learn about us, okay? One is Facebook, and that's for fun, but as part of our self-brand, we have to be careful as we go into the job market in terms of what our cover picture is, and, you know, you shouldn't be using curse words at the site. The companies are looking at them. And then they are also now looking at LinkedIn, 
because that's a, a different uh, version of oneself. So th- there are excellent opportunities to brand ourselves through Facebook and through um, LinkedIn. So I actually, uh, you know, knowing that you were going to ask me, I, I came up with my, because you should be able to define yourself in 25 words or less, and it should be uh, distinctive, not, not replicate what everybody else is saying. So let so me ask I, you where I I'm going to put this. Wait, wait, wait one my, minute. So, so if I'm going to, let's just so, so they know. So in other words, I'm going to do a resume. Um, instead of just using very common words, I'm going to be smart enough not to say things that are not true about me, but I'm going to use the buzzwords. I'm going to learn and translate. Uh, I'm not going to just say I'm good with math. I'm going to say I'm good with data analytics, let's say. But now when I actually write the resume, where am I going to put, because I know you spoke about putting your self-brand at the top of the resume. What do you mean? At same thing, and the same thing at, uh, at LinkedIn. Okay. So if we start at the top with our, uh, our name, our phone number, and an email address, we don't need a, a locations anymore. It's irrelevant. But within the email address, please make it professional. Don't write down your birthday or some other cutesy thing. You know, make it serious. But then right after that, it would be, you know, profile. And this is what I, this is my 22 words that I have for me. And I'm not looking for a job. I'm happy. But this is how I, this is my okay. um, self-brand. And I believe that, that it, it, uh, other people see me in the way that I describe myself. Senior professor at, at Hostra's Off School of Business, longtime consultant, leading textbook author, active blogger and LinkedIn group manager, motivated teacher, frequent speaker. Nobody has the combination of all those things together. Okay. So I'm just going to make it a little bit challenging, and I'm going to say, so I'm a liberal arts major. I'm a good writer. I'm creative. I worked one year in my father's plumbing firm, and I now want to work for a marketing company. So I'm, and I know you can't just put it together, but what are the kind of things that I'm going to put in that, that statement that's going to pull them to me before I list my experience? I mean, am I okay, going to... Okay, so this is, this is an exercise I've done a lot over the years, and I give full credit to David Letterman. And I would ask people uh, to write the top 10 list of how they would like people to see them. Ten different traits or attributes, and trying not to just repeat what everybody else says, starting with the one that you would look at as, you know, least important, uh, to the one that you would say absolutely defines you. And that really gets people to think, and most people can't come up with more than about three. Okay, so but it's this a good way to get you yeah. to get you to introspect. You that's why if you look at the job descriptions of, of uh, uh, that are in the field that you're interested in, you get an idea of what they're looking for, and you could then pull words out from there that you use to describe yourself. I see. Okay, so I might and see. Say- I would think that if when you once you say uh, my father's whatever, they're not necessarily listening. Right. So I would have to say maybe creative, organized, excellent writing skills, social, me- uh, social media expertise, um, 
office management instead of saying my father's plumbing firm, you know, etc. In other words, you're saying by putting down a list of the way you would like to be best described the descriptors and then seeing if you could translate some of those into what the market bears in terms of how those words matter and what they could be translated into. If we go go by the life stage stuff, Mm -hmm. if we're 22 years old and we're getting a bachelor's degree versus my students who are somewhat older and they're getting an MBA, what you can put on there when you're 22 with the experiences that you've had has to be less uh, than what they're putting... Um, not in terms of the number of words, but we, we, we can't overinflate who we are at 22. Okay, we need good. to do is show the company the potential that we have. So here's something that I recommend, you know, also all the time, besides this top 10 thing. Uh, to de- how can we demonstrate that we are talented uh, beyond just writing the resume? And what I would say to students, both undergraduate and graduate, is can you take um, your best experience at college, whether it was a course and it was your best paper or it was an internship that you had, and could you write 150 words on what was learned at that, what experiences were gained in the real world or, or in this project where you worked on as a team, and have that as a page that accompanies your resume. Nice. The resume should never be more than a page, but how about if we can define ourselves in terms of this best thing we've done in our life professionally up until now? Mm, nice. That's great. So, in other words, that's an added glimpse of, that you're giving them of yourself. But that ha- it also means that when, if you have said, as, as you had in your example, you know, good writer, a great writer or whatever, that gives the, per- the, the person reading this to say, if you really are. Yes, yes, I. oh, it's wonderful. So in other words, you're really demonstrating the potential in living color. Um, you're, you're demonstrating t- you, your ability to communicate. You know, one of the frustrations is that people can't integrate thoughts, so the fact that you can, you know, write a paragraph or two paragraphs, so you're demonstrating uh, uh, your ability to integrate, you're demonstrating your ability to write, which is a communication skill, and you're demonstrating that you've been out there you know, doing things that are, you know, more than what a resume can say. So, so I have a self-branding, tw- like, 25-word statement at the top, and then I go into my resume, and then if I'm, as you say, if I don't have a million jobs because I'm only 22, what can I and how can I distinguish myself by something important that I can bring to their attention in, in a paragraph that, gives them a better glimpse of me in living color and my potential. Now, right, in- because the typical student, particularly an undergraduate, when you're 22, you've, you've worked at, you probably, in high school, you had trivial jobs. In college, um, you had a couple of clerical type of jobs. Maybe if you were lucky, you, you, the summer after your junior year, you got a good internship. But, we, but you know, there's only so much there. Uh, but one would talk, I make, I make this offer, and I, I am free for life. I have no agenda. I'm not looking for anything. If anybody wants to email me at joel, J-O-E-L, prof, P-R-O-F, at hotmail.com, and has a self-branding statement or a resume or something that they'd like to have me look at, it would be my pleasure. And he's absolutely wonderful at this. Let, let me ask you, and Mitch. again, free. 
free. Yes. Let me, there's your brand. Let me ask you to share the things not to do in terms of, so in terms of jobs, um, what's some of the things on your list in terms of what if I haven't gotten a job one year after another and I'm going for a job? How does that, how do I set that up on my resume? What if I didn't have a good GPA? What am I going to do then? Um, there, goes, there are a couple of questions in there. I'll start with okay. the last one. If you don't have it, uh, grad schools are really interested in GPA. Uh, companies, not so much. If you have a really low GPA, they're not happy. But they may not want somebody who's got a 4-0 because they feel that that person might be a perfectionist or take too much time doing projects. It's a really mm. interesting right. kind of thing. It's like, peop- it's like people, when they go to... Uh, to Amazon and decide whether they're going to pick out a, uh, a product. Studies have shown they like a, a 4.7 or a 4.8. They don't like a 5.0 because they feel <laughs> that somehow there's cheating that's going on. That's that great. They must, you know, the company must have a ton of people that just you know, say they love them. <laughs> so I, I think that the, what it comes down to is that your GPA doesn't define you either. Um, it, it's, it's the totality of you. So this is why creating the self-brand um, and I had a post on my evansonmarketing.com. That's one word, evansonmarketing.com. I had a post this, this past week about, um, you know, learning from failure and how many people have failed, including Einstein, Walt Disney, uh, Michael Jordan, um, and, and, you know, being, uh, being, being as assertive as you could be and defining yourself as positively um, as you can. When I, I, I actually wrote about myself in there, and I said when I was 19, uh, I didn't do great on an exam, and I went in to talk to the professor, uh, not to complain, but just to say, what could I do better for the final? And he said, basically, I don't know why you're here. You know, I'm sure that you're a first-generation college student, and your parents are blue-collar workers, so this is what best you're going to do. Oh my goodness! So that has annoyed me for a decade, <laughs> for a lifetime, and helped yeah. me establish a self-brand that, yeah. has, that is nothing like that, and in mm. fact propelled me to know that I've done better than he did. That's great. So That's I, great. I, so you have to define yourself. That guy was defining me without having a clue about me, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, what happens in the um, if you, if, if you get the interview, is that the interview was relatively short, and the interviewer may be seeing 10 or 15 people in a day. So it is really hard to stand out. So that's why we've got to be creative in defining our self-brand. See, if we, if we can demonstrate to the person interviewing us that we have a sense of direction, that we know what our strengths are, we're ahead of 95% of people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, why, why do you want to you know, come to work for this company? Why, um, why did you decide you wanted to go into accounting or to finance? Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, okay. there are a lot of people that can't answer that. Okay. All right. Well, listen, we're going to take a break. The, it's invaluable information. On the other side of this break, we're going to talk about a little bit more about resumes and then rebranding and what do you do if you're not 20 but you're 65 and you're thinking about retirement. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson, in The Sea Around Us, said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century. Family Matters with Dr. Virginia Collin will focus on building and maintaining healthy family relationships. We will discuss marriage, divorce, family mediation, parenting, lifestyles, and mental health. All kinds of family matters. Our show will feature guest experts and your participation, too. You can listen to Family Matters live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're we're talking with distinguished professor, Dr. Joel Evans. He's a branding and marketing expert. We were just talking about resumes. and But before we go any farther, and I have lots of questions, and I know, I'm know i sure I'm thinking of some of the same that our listeners are, um, Dr. Evans, how would you be generous enough to give your um, email for those who want some feedback on resumes or jobs? How else can listeners reach you? You have such a wealth of knowledge. The, the best way to reach me is Joel, J-O-E-L, prof, P-R-O-F, that's one word, at hotmail.com. Okay. Um, and I would encourage you, if, if, this, if this stuff sounds interesting to you, is to go to my Evans on Marketing, one word, E-V-A-N-S, on Marketing, uh, dot com. And uh, I've got about 1,400 posts on there. Uh, there's stuff related to careers, every aspect of marketing and social media. And if you if you uh, go into the search engine for the blog and type in self-brand, you'll see how many different things I've got there. Great, great. But That's I great. welcome you to follow me. I have interesting posts all the time. He does. 
Um, so let me ask this question just as we round up um, resumes. So you, you mentioned, uh, you know, in our conversations, citing distinctive skills. So if I was um, a, the head of the um, tennis uh, team at a, um, a college and I was the captain and I'm really exceptional in that, or I was a musician throughout school, those kinds of things, should they be even on a resume? Okay. So what you have to do is think about how can I put one of these things in the context that will matter to an employer. So to say professional um, musician or captain of the tennis team by itself doesn't mean anything. But with descriptors may mean a lot because it shows you're above and beyond the, the, the you know, uh, average person. So if you took the one with the tennis captain, I would want to see, you know, able to maintain a great GPA while uh, participating uh, in practice and matches 25 hours a week and going to school full time. Wow, if, uh, if, <clears throat> if I'm the musician, um, I would want to probably say full-time musician um, who, uh, you know, performs on weekends and does a full-time job at the same time. Yep. So what you're doing then is not highlighting that you're a musician. What you're highlighting is that you're working your rear end off and that you understand what hard work is and you're motivated. So you're working full-time at your job and you're motivated for the thing that's your passion, which is music. So, so just putting musician alone is not sufficient. It's got to mm. have a descriptor that would have a hook that would appeal to a company. You have to be able to show added value to their company by whatever you're putting down. Right, and I think that you mm. can. Well, yes. one, of the things, one of the things that you, sh- that you shouldn't put down is... Um, uh, skilled in uh, Word, PowerPoint, and Excel. Because just about 99% of college students <laughs> graduating right. today can do that. So capable of doing advanced Excel spreadsheets is a different skill. Right. And that's a valuable one. Mm, it's terrific what you're sharing. Now let's take it to the next step. That is... If I've been in a field a very long time and I want to change, and we think, I know you and I have talked about veterans and how much and how skilled they are when they're in service. And many for for years, for four years, three years, some are still in the reserves, they really face quite a problem in the workplace. How do we help be it a veteran or someone move from one set of skills actually back to the job place in a a completely different area. Okay, so you you certainly would have to to acquire, whether it's through education or whatever, some kind of credential that's in the field you want to go into. There's got to be some linchpin. But you also have to look, you know, let's suppose that you were in the military or that you were a manager at a power plant and now you want to get into the service business, is that, yes, uh, this whole conversation that we've had is about how to be uh, distinctive. Well, but it's also about the skill set that we have that will enable us to do a job. And I think sometimes, uh, quite often, with uh, military people who have been my students, uh, and some of them could be in, have been in the military five years, some could be 25, is they don't recognize 
that that, that was a that was a job, and a job would spe- uh, specify tasks. So if they were a sergeant or a lieutenant or whatever, they could have been supervising ten people, fifteen people, twenty people. They could have been developing plans uh, for in the field, um, interacting with people. There were so many. Uh, transferable skills. So what we have to do is look at look at ourselves. This is this introspection again, and say what is it that I want to highlight, and mm-hmm. and what we and we need to do this in a way that um, we appreciate that there are certain skills that transfer. Being right. a good manager is being a good manager. Being a good planner is being a good planner. Mm-hmm. Great. So Great. I yeah you know, I think that people um, sometimes um, underestimate um, the jobs that they've had, and I think people, particularly in the military, some of the some of them are convinced that that it's a detriment to have been in the military when you apply for a job. And my experience is that many employers love having military people because they well. know they're serious. They're serious. They always show up for work. They're well trained. They're motivated. You know all of those other skills. So well, that's another thing, stereotype what, that's bad. One thing that we that many of our military can say is they have worked successfully under tremendous stress. I mean, life and death stress sometimes. So they bring a skill set that not only is valid, but they also bring the ability to regulate stress when when carrying it out. So I'm I'm, I'm loving that. That is that correct. You, you know, that you, you, you talked Absolutely. about translating it. Yeah. So now let's talk about something that hits many, many folks, and that is I, I want to retire, but I don't want to travel or play golf, and I'm not a clue of how I can sell myself to do something different and interesting. What would you just suggest as a general, maybe a rule for those who are approaching retirement or are in it and at the moment are bored? Okay, um, I've done a lot of thinking about this for myself because of the stage of life that I'm in. So I think that the first thing that we have to do is to ask ourselves, what do we want to be active in retirement? What do we want to do? Do we want to be a volunteer? But boy, there are a lot of nonprofits out there that want volunteers. Do we want to travel more? Do we want to work part-time in something that we don't care about the money, we just think it would be fun. Uh, do we want to be a mentor? Uh, do we want to be more, I, and I hear this all the time, I want to be more active as a grandparent, so they want to make sure they're around. Want to want to serve on a local school board, or you know, there's something called SCORE, which is a group for uh, uh, retired business people who give free advice to others. There are all types of organizations. So what, what do we think we'd like to do? And then I think what we, have to, what we need is uh, a different, and, and for many of us, a new self-brand that we project to others. Mm-hmm. So if I can just relate this to myself, here's my personal example. So I'm reaching a point where I'm thinking about retiring from my full-time job in a couple of years. My wife thinks that I am, uh, I'll go crazy going, <laughs> into, uh, going into retirement. And, and, and to tie this into our discussion... That's her perception of my self-brand. Right. Mine right. is quite different, okay? <laughs> I have a good idea of what I want to do then. So I want to recast my self-brand. I want to reinvent myself. I do want to teach at least one graduate course uh, a year, so I want to keep that part in there. I have 
decided that my passion is going to be to do uh, volunteer work for a health-related nonprofit organization. That really drives me. Uh, I want to stay active in social media uh, because I really enjoy that. I want to keep going to the gym. Uh, because I believe that uh, many baby boomers are far different than their parents in terms of um, not wanting to age and doing whatever we can mm-hmm. um, not to age. Um, I, I, and, I, and I enjoy going to the gym because I mingle with a lot of people there. And I know that I'll come up with more stuff as I get uh, closer to retiring besides traveling more. Well, one but thing... What I know one- for- can I just well, one, one thing? Yes, sure, sure. But the one thing I know for sure, uh, because this is, a, this is a subject area that, you know, I, I live, is that I will have a strong impact on how others see me. They may not always see me the same, but I'm going to be projecting who I am. That's, mm. that's a passion, too. It's, well, I'm loving what you're saying, and I'm also loving that you're suggesting you're not thinking of just one thing. I mean, and that's, that's, a, uh, that's great in terms of the diversity you bring to a new job if you're a young college graduate, and you're saying you're going to be doing many, many different things. So if one thing isn't quite okay, something else might turn up. But um, uh, we're going we're gonna to have to stop. But I think you've really given, Dr. Evans, you've really given us so many invaluable ideas in terms of branding for personal and professional success. I think our listeners know they can reach you. And um, knowing Dr. Evans very well, that would be a very valuable thing to do. He's a very, very and giving. Take that, and, and take that self-assessment test. Yes. Okay. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Okay, thanks to all my listeners. Remember, you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, my website, on the podcast app of your iPhone, and on iTunes. Just go under Psych Up Live. Next week, we have Harvard-trained social psychologist, Dr. Bello DiPaolo, and she's going to discuss her two books, Singled Out, How Singles Are Stereotyped, Stigmatized, and Still Live Happily Ever After, and How We Live Now, Redefining Home and Family in the 21st Century. She's very interesting. Don't miss that show. Drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, please take care. Thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. 